0: Theories of the Third
1: Kind.
2: Welcome to Theories of the Third Kind. My name is Aaron and I am one of your hosts. There's another host that is joining me today, daniel Hello. Now, real quick. Before we start today's episode, I just want to say that if you would like to support the show, then there's a few ways that you could do that. One of the ways is Patreon.
0: Each week, we release a Patreon-exclusive episode that only Patreon supporters can get access to. To sign up, it's only $5 a month, which is only 16 cents a day. Not only do you get an extra episode per week for that $5, but you also get access to our entire back catalog
2: of past Patreon episodes. In total, we have over 129 extra Patreon episodes, which is a lot of extra hours for your listening pleasure. So to see this full list of past Patreon episodes that we have published, just go to our website, theoriesofthethirdkind.com, click on the Patreon Episodes tab, and that will take you to our Patreon, where you can see all the previous Patreon-exclusive episodes that we have previously published. Also,
0: today we added another Patreon-exclusive episode, which is listener-submitted ghost stories number two, in which we go over multiple ghost stories that listeners, yes you, have submitted to us, as well as our own personal ghost stories. So you get access to that episode, as well as all of the others, for just $5.
2: Now, if you can't afford a Patreon membership, but you would like to help us out, then you can leave us a written review on iTunes or on Spotify, and that helps us out a lot.
0: However, don't feel pressure to leave us one. If you don't want to, then that's fine. We just want you guys, girls, aliens, reptilians, Bigfoots, Sasquatches, Chupacabras, ghosts, Illuminati members, underground lizard people, whoever or whatever you are to enjoy the show.
2: And that is the end of the announcements. So today's episode is Horror Stories. So for the past three years, around Halloween time, we've always done sort of like a ghost stories episode where we discuss different ghost stories that we have found or ones that have actually been submitted to us. However, this time around, we decided to change it up a little bit. We wanted to go with something a little bit different. We wanted an episode that was truly terrifying. No more ghosts. We wanted something that would really scare you. So Dan and I started brainstorming, and we both came to the same conclusion that some of the scariest stories that we could actually think of were actually real-life ones that we've read about. And that is what we're going to cover today. Some real-life horror stories handpicked by me and Dan. And boy, do we have some scary, weird, strange stories to tell you.
0: Oh, there's definitely some strange ones and definitely scary for the fact that they actually happened.
2: Yes, all of them are real. All of them that we're going to be going over today. So keep that in mind. All right, so with that being said, let's hop into our first story. So, Dan, do you want to start that off for us? Of course.
0: So, the first story that we are going to go over today is called the Ice Box Murders. Now, Aaron, have you ever heard of this murder before?
2: I, I've never heard of this before. Not until we started researching it uh, this week. I've never heard of it. Have you?
0: I have not until I found it, but... This entire story occurred in 1965, and it revolves around an elderly couple living near Houston,
2: Texas, so not too far from us. I think it's only like two and a half, three hours from us.
0: Now, this couple was 81-year-old retired real estate broker Fred Rogers and his 73-year-old wife named Edwina. So, both of them lived together in a nice-sized house on 1815 Driscoll Street, and they were enjoying retirement by spending
2: time with their family. However, that would all change. So on June 23rd, 1965, Edwina's nephew, Marvin, he started to get a little worried. So for the past couple days, he had been trying to call his aunt. However, she was not picking up the phone. And this was not like Edwina. She would always answer the phone and talk to Marvin. So Marvin decided to call the police and ask them to do a welfare check on his aunt and uncle.
0: Later that evening, Houston Police Captain Charles Bullock and his partner was dispatched to the home of Fred and Edwina Rogers for a welfare check. When the police arrived, they knocked on the door. However, no one answered. So the two police officers walked to the back of the house and found a makeshift barricade of flower pots obstructing the back door, which made Officer Bullock pretty suspicious.
2: It was at this point that both police officers decided to force their way into the home. Once inside, they noticed that the home was pretty empty. As they began searching the home, one of the officers decided to open the refrigerator, and they noticed numerous different cuts of unwrapped meat that was neatly stacked on the shelves inside of the refrigerator, which, when the officer saw those, he pretty much assumed it was, you know, meats from a butchered hog, which, I mean, is not really that odd. Not back then. No, uh uh-uh. However, right before closing the door to the refrigerator, the officers noticed something that was absolutely shocking.
0: In the vegetable crisper drawer at the bottom of the refrigerator were two decapitated human heads. Immediately, an investigation started. Police determined that the two heads belonged to Fred and Edwina. Sometime within the past five days of finding them, Edwina had been shot in the head, Fred had been beaten to death with a hammer, and both of his eyes
2: had been gouged out. Now, that was not all, because the killer had gone above and beyond simply just killing the couple. The couple had also been completely dismembered, AKA cut into several pieces. So what the police had originally thought was hog meat inside of the fridge, that was actually parts of meat from the couple that had been cut up and placed inside of the refrigerator.
0: Another thing that police noted was that Fred's genitals had been removed and thrown in the sewer outside. Also, Fred's intestines had been flushed down the toilet. Now, with all this butchering, you would think the house would be covered in blood. But that was not the case. The police stated that the house was immaculate, and it had appeared to have been cleaned thoroughly.
2: So, of course, after the police found these horrible murders, they began trying to figure out who did it. During their investigation, the police seemed to target one individual specifically, the couple's son. So Fred and Edwina had a 42-year-old son named Charles that lived with them.
0: Now, Charles was unemployed and was also a bit of a hermit. He lived in his parents' attic bedroom and never really went outside. When the police questioned Fred and Edwina's neighbors about Charles, They told the police that they had never seen Charles at their place at all.
2: The police ended up finding only a couple drops of blood near Charles' room and inside his keyhole of his room door, which of course made him the number one suspect. However, he was missing, so a nationwide hunt began.
0: As the police looked into Charles, they quickly learned that he was no ordinary man. He had served in World War II graduated with a degree in nuclear physics, and spent nearly a decade working for Shell Oil as a
2: seismologist. Another thing that the police found out is that Charles' parents had taken out multiple loans in his name, and they also took out some of his personal savings. Also, the police found out that even though he lived in the same home as his parents, he rarely saw them. And he would communicate with them by slipping notes under his door. Like, he wouldn't communicate with his parents face-to-face. He would write notes down and put it underneath his door for his parents to read, which is very odd. That is odd. Yeah. So,
0: this nationwide search for Charles continued for years. However, he never showed up. Then in 1975, he was officially declared dead. And to this day, the murder of Fred and Edwina has remained unsolved.
2: Now, as weird as this story is, there is something that makes it even more strange. So there are quite a few people out there that believe that Charles Rogers, a.k.a. the son who more than likely murdered his parents and cut their heads off and put them in the fridge and butchered his parents and stuff like that. There's a lot of people who believe that Charles was working for the CIA and that not only did he kill his parents, but he also might have been involved in the plot to kill JFK. Oh, yeah. So this
0: theory stated that Charles Rogers had secretly worked for the CIA and was involved in JFK's death. Charles ended up writing his involvement in JFK's death down in his
2: diary. His parents found his diary and then read it. Once his parents figured out that he was involved in the JFK assassination, they decided to confront their son. Charles could not allow his parents to know that he was involved in the assassination of JFK, so he killed them and moved to Mexico, where he allegedly landed a mining job through his oil industry connections, you know, since he had previously worked for Shell Oil for the past 10 years. However, in this theory, it does state that one day he was murdered with a pickaxe by some random miners, which is very odd. It's like out of the blue, you know, he just randomly gets murdered by some people with pickaxes. So, yeah.
0: Damn. So, yeah, that theory comes from a book. And the author of that book did a ton of research into Charles. And this is where that theory comes from. And that right there is our first horror story, The Icebox Murders. So, what do you think of that? The theory is kind of crazy, but just the murder itself, though, it's so weird the fact that he, okay, not that he killed him, but the fact that he cut them up and then stored parts of them in the fridge and then the rest of it just in the sewers.
2: Yeah, threw the genitals in the sewer and then took the intestine of his father and flushed it down the toilet. Um, I really don't have any words to really say about this other than it's very odd and weird and kind of terrifying
0: Terrifying that they never found him and they just, the theory is that he was killed, but the fact that the government never found him. Yep. Or
2: they say they never found him because I they said he worked for the CIA in the theory, but. Mm -hmm. I don't know. He went on the run because the CIA found out that his parents knew about what he did, so they went and killed his parents, so he went on the run.
0: Did none of the neighbors hear a gunshot? I haven't heard anything about that.
2: No, nothing. All right, so. do you want me to move on to the next one? Yeah, let's move on to the next one. All right. So the next story that we're gonna go over is called Olivia Mabel Black Magic. So this entire story revolves around the Mabel family, which consisted of Olivia Mabel, her husband Travis, and their son Aiden. Now, this family lived in a quiet town of Selena, Texas which is about an hour north of Dallas. Well, actually, it's only like 45 to 50 minutes north of Dallas. But I mean, yeah, an an hour, I would say, due to traffic.
0: So they were a pretty normal family without any major problems or oddities in behavior. However, that changed. In March of 1990, tragedy struck the family. Their seven-year-old son, Aiden, was found dead in a local pond. Police determined that Aiden had accidentally drowned while going for a swim.
2: Of course, this took a toll on Olivia and Travis. Olivia ended up quitting her job and stopped doing any social work, and then eventually her and Travis divorced. Following that, Olivia became a recluse and stayed inside of her home almost 24-7, never communicating with anyone which I don't really blame her. I would honestly do the exact same thing if that was to happen to my son. So, I feel ya. Anyway.
0: Now, when she became a recluse, like, and she didn't talk to anyone at all, did she, like, become a mute, or just she just didn't communicate?
2: She just didn't communicate. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah.
0: Now, let's fast forward almost four years later. On February 27th, 1994, the police received a phone call from Olivia's home. However, when they answered it, The phone was silent. The police hung up and tried calling Olivia's home phone back. She did not answer. So the police decided to go
2: to her address to do a wellness check. The police arrived at the home and knocked on the door. No one answered. After several minutes of waiting, the police decided to force their way into the home. Now, once they got into the home, the initial reaction by the police was, whoa, this home had not been cleaned for several years and it looked almost abandoned. There was a thick layer of dust on pretty much all surfaces of the living room.
0: However, when the police entered the bedroom is when things got weird. Olivia's bedroom turned out to be incredibly clean and all things were neatly folded. In the middle of the room, Olivia Mabel sat in a rocking chair wearing a nightgown and slippers. In her hands, she was holding a homemade doll that was roughly made from sticks. Judging by the condition of her body, Olivia had been dead at least a month.
2: Upon looking around, the police also noticed that there was an altar in the room. Now on this altar, there was a children's blanket, pictures of her deceased son, Aiden, some of his drawings, letters that Olivia wrote to her son after his death, several of his toys, candles, flowers, and an urn with the ashes of her deceased son. Also, there were these random notes on yellow pieces of paper that had writing on it that translated to words such as create, raise, and build. Another thing that the police found was another note in the house that was dated February
0: 27, 1994, which was that day. The note was written in Olivia's handwriting which puzzled the police officers and the investigators since she had died at least a month prior. So the note said,
2: My Aiden, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I should have never let it get like this. I'm leaving. I will not let you keep me, you vile, evil creature. Mommy's coming for you. Aiden, my sweet Aiden, mommy loves you.
0: Now, we do have a photograph of the note as well as a photograph of the weird stick doll that was found in Olivia's hands in which we will provide a picture of it on our website for anyone that wants to take a look at it.
2: You know what that little uh, stick figure looks like? You ever seen that new toy story? That little spoon?
0: I've seen the commercial for it. I haven't watched it, but I know what you're talking about.
2: Yeah, it looks like a brown spoon. I mean, it kind of does. My thing is, what the hell's on its head? Looks like a tip, like... It it looks like a brown spoon with like sticks for hands, and then they cut a tip of a banana off and stuck it on the top of a spoon.
0: I mean, it does look like that, and I'm guessing the cloth around this body, like or where the legs are, I'm guessing it's a piece of clothing from Aiden's collection of clothing. I guess. Yeah,
2: I assume so. So, if you want to go see that, you can just go to our website, like Dan says, theoriesofthethirdkind.com. You can click on this episode and. uh there the picture will be. Alright, so following that, the official investigation from the police stated that Olivia had written the letter in advance and nothing was said to the press about what Olivia Mabel's autopsy revealed and what the cause of her death was.
0: Something worth noting, though, is that in 2005, the case of Mabel's resurfaced in the press when it turned out that no one wanted to buy their abandoned house. The landlord eventually invited a paranormal expert from Austin, Drew Navarro, to the house to do a cleanup.
2: Now, according to this paranormal expert, as soon as he entered the house, he almost choked. He said, and I quote, I have been in hundreds of strange places, but never before have I felt such a powerful force. I could barely breathe, and my heart was pounding wildly.
0: There are some theories as to what Olivia was trying to do. Some say that she was trying to create an image of her dead son, and for this she resorted to magical practices. But what happened after that? Had whatever Olivia
2: created in Aiden's image gotten out of control and turned evil? Maybe that was the thing that killed Olivia. I mean, when you think about it and you look back to the note that she wrote, who was she talking to in that note? Saying, you know, a vile and evil creature, because it wasn't her son. It was something else. And also, who took the phone and called 911 if Olivia was already dead? There's a lot of weird things in this story that are very, very freaky, you know? That's
0: true. I mean, she's been dead for at least a month, so she couldn't have wrote the letter then on the day that it was dated for that day they found her, and she couldn't have called the cops. So something or someone was there.
2: Oh, yeah. And that is our second story, which is Olivia Mabel, Black Magic. And as we continue with these stories, they just get weirder and weirder. Uh, This next one is my personal favorite. Dan, do you want to start this one off for us?
0: Oh, God, this story. Ooh, yeah, I will start it off. (laughs) Okay. All right, so our next story is called Carl and His Corpse Bride. Ugh. And it revolves around an individual named Karl Tanzler. And just an FYI, sometimes they call him Count Karl von Kassel. But for this episode, we're just going to call him Karl. Anyway, so Karl was born in Germany in 1877. Now, during his childhood, Karl claimed to have been visited by visions of a dead ancestor, Countess Anna Constantia von Kassel. This countess revealed to him that the face of his true love, which was an exotic, dark-haired woman, Now, this vision of this woman's face stuck with him his entire life.
2: So besides that, Carl had a pretty normal childhood and he would end up going to school and become a radiologist. Eventually, Carl ended up moving to the United States where he worked at a hospital in Florida.
0: Fast forward to April 22nd, 1930. Carl was working at the hospital that day and a local Cuban woman brought her daughter, Maria Elena Milagro de Hoyas, which we will only call her Elena from now on, by the way. So she was brought in for an examination by her mother. Carl ended up meeting Elena and was shocked. He immediately recognized her as the beautiful dark-haired woman that had been revealed to him in his visions when he was a boy from the Countess.
2: Now, during Elena's visit, she was diagnosed with tuberculosis, which back then, that was pretty serious. And upon learning this, Carl felt like it was his duty to help Elena. So he ended up taking a variety of medicines and different equipment to her home to try and treat and cure her. Now, during this time, Carl showered Elena with gifts, jewelry, and clothing, and he even professed his love for her. He was, I love you. However,
0: none of that mattered, because on October 25th, 1931, Elena ended up dying from tuberculosis. Of course, Carl was super heartbroken about this, and he ended up paying for Elena's entire funeral. Not only that, but Carl also had an above-ground mausoleum in the Key West Cemetery built for
2: Elena. Now, after this above-ground mausoleum was built, Carl, of course, had Elena buried there, and he would then go and visit her almost every night. Carl stated that whenever he sat near Elena's grave, that her spirit would come to him and sing a Spanish song. Then eventually, one night, Carl stated that Elena's spirit told him to take her home with him. Oh, boy. (laughs) Here we go. Here we go. Now, this is where things get a
0: little weird. Almost two years after Elena's death, Carl ended up removing Elena's body from the mausoleum and placing it on a toy wagon. He then carted her body through the cemetery and transported it back to his home.
2: Now at his home, Carl took Elena's corpse and attached her bones together with wire and coat hangers. He put glass eyeballs where her eyeballs used to be. Also, as her skin began to decompose, Carl would replace it with silk cloth soaked in wax and plaster. Now, as her hair began to fall out because of her decomposing scalp, Carl would end up fashioning a wig from Elena's original hair that was collected by her mother when she was alive, and her mother ended up giving all that hair to Carl not long after she was buried. So, Carl had like all this hair from Elena when she was alive and he just made a wig out of it.
0: Kind of weird that her, her mother would collect that and be like, here, Carl, here's her hair.
2: <laughs> yeah, it is kind of weird.
0: Anyway. Carl also filled the corpse abdominal and chest cavity with rags to keep the original form. He dressed Elena's remains in stockings, jewelry, and gloves, and kept the body in his bed. Carl also used copious amounts of perfume, disinfectants, and preserving agents to mask the odor Install the effects of the corpse's decomposition.
2: Now, we do have a picture of Elena before she passed away, and then a picture of her corpse after she was made into this sort of like paper mache doll by Carl. And of course, if you want to see this picture, you can just go to our website, theoriesofthethirdkind.com. You can click on this episode and uh, just scroll down a little bit, and there's the photograph. And it's disturbing. It's literally
0: quite disturbing what he ended up doing to the
2: body. Yeah, it is. And it just gets worse. So tell us what happened after that, Dan.
0: So for the next few years, Carl kept Elena's body in his home. But however, in October of 1940, Elena's sister heard rumors of Carl sleeping with the body of her dead sister and ended up going to Carl's house to confront him. How does a rumor like that spread unless he was like, hey, guys. You know what? I'm not even going to say it. I can't even say it. It was at this point that Elena's sister discovered that the rumor was true and she ended up calling the Florida police.
2: Of course, Carl was arrested and charged with maliciously destroying a grave and removing a body without authorization. Now, while detained, Carl was examined and found to be mentally competent to stand trial. However, The case was eventually dropped due to the statute of limitations for the crime expiring and Carl was released. In 1944,
0: Carl moved to a different part of Florida and ended up writing an autobiography. In 1950, he became an official citizen of the United States. Two years later, on July 3rd, 1952, Carl was found lying on the floor of his home, dead. He had passed away three weeks earlier.
2: If that story right there wasn't weird enough for you, we actually have uncovered some additional information that makes it even more odd. So one of the things we learned is that whenever Elena's corpse was discovered by the authorities, they actually took her body and placed it on public display at a funeral home, and it was viewed by as many as 6,800 people. Eventually, her body was returned to a cemetery in Key West, and her remains were buried in a secret location.
0: What was the purpose of showing off her
2: new look? (laughs) You're so wrong, Dan, her new look. I I don't, I I don't know. I I guess publicity? It was messed up.
0: Yeah, I, I don't understand why they would, like, show it off, it's not. It's not like the funeral home did that to her. Like, hey, look at our work here. Ugh. Something else that we learned about this story is the public perception of the event. So, of course, the story was spread all over the United States by the news stations. Now, you would think that people at the time were disgusted with the situation. Apparently, the majority of the public at the time was sympathetic towards Carl and viewed the situation as romantic.
2: I would have never have guessed that the public would view it as as romantic. Would you?
0: No, I don't see that as being romantic at all. You literally just desecrated a body of a girl that honestly didn't even love you, that you were obsessed over because you saw a vision of. It would be different if they were, I don't know, it can't be different. They're, you literally desecrated a body just because you were in love with it or with her.
2: Uh, it gets worse. And I hate that I keep having to say that, but it does. So another strange thing we learned is that in 1982 there was an article written that talks about how some workers went to renovate the home of Carl. Now these workers allegedly found a note that was written by Carl, and this note uh, was Carl confessing to have killed Elena by poisoning her. This note says, and we quote,
0: She died because I gave this to her mercifully. I mixed the root of wolfsbane with aconite diluted. It was palatable, and my loved one departed this miserable world on October 25th, 1931. Suffer no more, sweet Elena. I have sent you to the angels with my golden
2: elixir. So yeah, they supposedly found that note, which I thought we had to throw it in, you know. And there's something else that we hadn't mentioned that's pretty important is that when Carl died, the police came and took his body away, but what they found in his home was a life-sized effigy of Elena that he had created. Now, there is a theory that Carl actually had the bodies switched or had Elena's remains secretly returned to him and he had actually died living with the real body of Elena, since the location of the original remains were buried in a secret location. In reality, they returned them to Carl, or he stole them back or something, and uh, yeah, that's that theory. But there's no real proof that the effigy that was found in Carl's home after his death was the real corpse of Elena. That was just a theory. And it's fun to think about, you know. So that right there is the story of Carl and his corpse bride. I can almost believe that they did let him keep the body. You know, maybe it wasn't them knowingly thinking that they let him keep the body. More like him making a copy of it, I would guess. And like doing an exchange. Or not even an exchange, just being like, hey, here it is. But he kept the real one. I mean, yeah, could be that.
0: I don't know, just the fact that they felt sympathetic and thought it was romantic. Honestly, the what'd it be, the gravekeeper, what do they call the guy that works at the cemetery? I don't know what they're called. But maybe they that person felt very sympathetic and thought it was romantic and let Carl have the body, even though they buried it in a secret location. Obviously he must know where it is. I mean it's his cemetery that he's, you know, watching over, cleaning up, maintaining. I would assume that he would know. So maybe he was one of those people Of the majority that felt sympathetic. Like, here, Carl, take your love back.
2: Maybe. It's weird and strange.
0: That is very strange. And the fact that I still don't get how people felt sympathetic over it. I
2: don't know. All right, so let's get on to our next story. So, Dan, do you want to start this one off for us? All right, before we get into that, let's take a quick break. We will be right back. Don't go
0: nowhere.
1: Did you guys know there are butterflies that drink blood?
0: Or that there's a species of beetle that can shoot
1: boiling liquid out of its butt? Or that blue whales are so big you can swim through their arteries? But there's a species of bat that's so small that it weighs less than a penny. My name's Maya. And my name's Connor. And we are the co-hosts of World's Wildest Podcast. If you guys love nature and you love learning about how crazy it is, Connor and I have over 30 years of experience in wildlife conservation, and we're here to tell you all about them. World's Wildest will take you on a journey to meet Earth's most extreme creatures from the world's strongest to our world's smelliest. Make sure to subscribe for new episodes every Thursday, wherever you get your podcasts. All right,
0: welcome back. So our next story that we're going to go over is called Sausage.
2: Just straight up sausage. (laughs) That's what I'm talking about, baby. Yeah, just
0: straight to the point. So this story starts off around the year 1860 in the small town of Porto Alegre in the state of Rio Grande do Sul, which is located in the southern part of
2: Brazil. Now, during this time in history, that state was dealing with wars. However, it really didn't affect the town of Porto Alegre. Now, because of this, a lot of German and Italian immigrants moved to that city with dreams of prosperity and the promise of a new peaceful life.
0: Now, one of these immigrants was a German butcher working in the city named Carlos Klaasa. So, Carlos eventually met an individual named Jose Ramos, who was an ex police officer. The two became friends, and Carlos took Jose under his wing and started teaching
2: him how to be a butcher. Now, something else that you need to know about this story is that Jose had a beautiful wife named Katerina, who was of Hungarian descent. She had long blonde hair, shiny blue eyes, and a curvaceous body on her, and rumor had it that men could not resist her charm. So, Katerina would often go out, meet other men, whisper sweet nothings into their ear, and then invite them back to her home.
0: Now, these men knew that her husband was Jose and would often ask her, What about your husband? Isn't he home? in which she would tell the men that her husband wouldn't be home for quite some time.
2: So the men, of course, would end up agreeing, and they would often come back to her home. Katerina would then have sexual intercourse with them, and then afterwards, she would tell the men, Hey, you did such a great job, let me feed you. Go sit at the kitchen table, and I'm going to cook you up a nice dinner. After you just got done eating some tacos, I'm going to make you up something better. So as she was supposedly cooking them dinner is when the weird stuff would occur.
0: As the men would wait at the table, Jose would come out of the darkness and smash a hatchet right into their heads, killing them instantly. <laughs> that's some American psycho
2: shit right there. Ugh, oh, God I almost passed out. I don't know why that's funny, but why, why didn't he do that before they have intercourse? Where the guys out? Oh, okay. And then they're, like, just chilling at the table, comfortable, and then that's when he attacks out of the darkness with a hatchet.
0: Exactly. This is what Katarina and Jose would do. Katarina would lure men in, and Jose would kill them.
2: Now, after these men would be killed, Jose would take their bodies to a secret room in the house, and Katarina would join him. Together, they would take off the victim's clothes and belongings, they would cut their heads off, Dismember them, strip the skin off of them, and turn them into meat. More specifically, into sausages, which Jose would sell at Clausa's butcher shop. You heard me right. Human sausages. And the craziest thing is, everyone loved these
0: sausages. Long lines would form outside of the market for people to be able to purchase these special sausages, and none of them knew that it was actually made from humans.
2: And according to Jose and Katerina, Clausa was fully aware of this operation. So according to some testimonies, Klausa had actually suggested to Jose, hey, these bones that you have of these victims, you need to dissolve them in acid. That way you don't have any evidence for the police to find. So yeah, Klausa was in on it, supposedly.
0: Now, Jose and Katarina flew under the radar for a while. However, in August of that year, the uptick in people disappearing
2: caused a panic in the city. Now, before we get into that, let's take a quick break. We will be right back. All right, welcome back. However,
0: in August of that year, the uptick in people disappearing caused a panic in the city. This put pressure onto the authorities, and they had to seriously start looking into why these people were going missing. At this point, Klausa started to get worried about the repercussions of allowing Jose and Katerina to use his shop. So he told Jose that he was planning on
2: leaving. However, Jose feared that Klausa would instead tell the police. So Jose ended up killing him and hid his body. Eventually, Katerina and Jose took over the butcher shop. And when people would come in and ask, hey, where's Klaas at? Jose would claim that he sold the business to them. However, shortly after taking it over, the business ended up failing and the butcher shop closed its doors. So he didn't even have fun time with Katerina? No, uh-uh. He just got straight up killed. Now,
0: even though the butcher shop was closed down, Jose and Katerina was still murdering individuals. Almost one year later, in 1864, a traveling salesman ended up disappearing. Individuals told the police that they had seen this man at Jose's house the day before
2: he went missing. Of course, this caused the police to question Jose, in which he claimed that, yeah, hey, that guy, he stayed the night at my place, but he left the next morning. The police didn't really buy that story, and they were kind of suspicious, so they decided to search Jose's home. During the search, the police found evidence that people had been killed in his house, and the most damning of which were personal possessions belonging to the victims, which Jose had kept as sort of like souvenirs.
0: Upon further searching of Jose's home, the police found several pieces of decomposing human body parts buried in the basement, which were later identified as Klaus's. In the well, multiple mutilated bodies, as well as a decomposing dog, which had had its belly ripped open, were also found.
2: Of course, both Jose and Katerina were arrested, and after the arrest, Katerina cooperated with the police and told them all about the murders, how they planned everything, and what all went down. Jose, on the other hand, did not say a single word to the police. He wasn't a snitch, but his wife was. And you know what they say, Snitches get bitches? Exactly. At the
0: trial, Jose was convicted on multiple counts of robbery and murder. He was sentenced to death by hanging, which was later commuted to life imprisonment. Katerina, though, was sentenced to 13 years imprisonment, and on May 6 of 1891, it was reported that she had been released after fully serving her sentence, and overall, this case was barely covered by the local press at the time. And that right there
2: is the story of Sausages. Which... I find extremely disturbing because the media really didn't cover the fact that, hey, the sausages that you guys have been eating in our town, not guys, but I'm just just saying like people in general have been eating in the town, were actually human remains of people that have been disappearing. That's why the news media didn't really push the story out.
0: That would have caused a huge panic right there.
2: Yeah, and an uproar against the local authorities as into why didn't you stop this before it happened?
0: loyal customers. I just want Klaus's special sausages.
2: Yeah, and there's something else that uh, I wanted to mention is that Jose Ramos, you know how he was an ex-police officer? Well, when looking into him, do you know why he was fired as a police officer? I do not know. Get this. In 1862, Jose was chasing down this famous bandit that was wanted for a while. And once he caught up to him, he beat his ass. And then instead of handcuffing him, he decided that he was going to try to cut his head off. And he was caught in the act of trying to decapitate this bandit. And the police force was like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's freaking weird. That's psychotic stuff. You're fired. You, you can't be doing that. But we'll still use you as a police informant.
0: What the hell?
2: Yeah. <sighs> So that right there is sausages.
0: So what I learned from that is make sure to have your meal before intercourse. Don't sit down at the table.
2: <laughs> yeah, hey, look, you're going to go over someone's house, do a good sweep of the house. Make sure there's nobody hiding in the shadows, beating it or, you know, hiding in the shadows with an a, a axe.
0: So Jose was just in the house chilling, just waiting for Katarina and the guy to get done. And then the guy would sit down at the kitchen table and then Jose would be like, Ugh! kill him
2: yeah yeah it'd be like uh what you see in the horror movies you know the people coming out of the shadows and killing the person
0: i'm just trying to process what jose was like thinking during that time he's just like chilling in the dark it's like can they just hurry up i'm hungry
2: hey maybe it he was maybe he was into that kind of thing you know no judgment no judgment but maybe he was I mean, i'm not gonna shame anybody's fetishes but what well i shame him for the the murder fetish That is to shame over, you know.
0: The murder and the sausage making. Yeah. Now I'm not going to look at sausages. I'm going to be like, I don't know if I want to eat that.
2: So there you go. When you are out trick-or-treating for candy, just know not to get sausages or hot dogs.
0: Yeah, if they're just like, oh, here, take a sausage. Don't take it. Because, you know, obviously people give out sausages during Halloween.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You know what? Hold on. I'll save this for free talk. Okay, but there you go. There's a few of the horror stories that we handpicked that we thought we should tell instead of ghost stories that were kind of scary and disgusting and would hopefully weird you out and get you in the mood for Halloween.
0: I don't know if it got me in the mood for Halloween, but all that crazy shit and just like a lot of it's like really wasn't covered much in the news. It's just like, oh, we can't say nothing. It'll freak people
2: out. Yeah, which should be the complete opposite, make people aware of it. Yeah. Anyway. All right, so I guess we roll into kind of like free talk real quick before we go to our on-the-scene for this week. So for free talk, I wanted to discuss a couple things. All right. The first thing I wanted to discuss is that during Halloween, what do you see posted the most on Facebook by police departments? Check your kids' candies for drugs. Did you know? that in history, there has never been an incident where a child has gotten a piece of candy that had been laced with drugs and died from it. I mean, I don't buy drugs,
0: but I'm pretty sure that it's expensive for certain type of drugs that they warn you about. So why would they just lace candy with it?
2: That's what I'm saying. No drug dealers are going to be putting drugs in random kids as candy. And this all stems from a story. There was this father who took out a insurance policy or a life insurance policy on his son. And during Halloween, he purposely spiked his son's candy with a poison to kill his son to collect the life insurance policy. And yeah, that's where this whole check your candy craze came from.
0: That's messed up.
2: So, if you are a loved one, are afraid that your child's candy may have drugs in it, you can go ahead and send it to our PO box, and I will specifically look for any drugs and take them out for you and send them back. And if you got any you need to get rid of, send them my way. I will properly dispose of them for you.
0: Exactly. Aaron would love all that spiked candy.
2: (laughs) Anyway. So another thing I wanted to talk about is that when I was researching these messed up topics this week, I somehow came across a Wikipedia page of strange deaths. And I was reading through them, and there was one strange death that stood out that I had to mention. So this death was of a 23-year-old Takoya Nagaya, and he was from Japan. And one random day, he started to slither on the floor and claimed that he had become a snake. Now, how did he die? It wasn't from slithering on the floor like a snake. It was because his father spent the next two days headbutting his son and biting him as a way to drive out the snake that had possessed his son. So he killed his son by headbutts and bites. Sounds to me that the father's the snake.
0: Yeah. Was he a trained exorcist like they used to have, well, like they have now, trained exorcists and stuff? Was he trained to get this snake demon or whatever out of him?
2: I don't think exorcists are trained for snakes. That's why I said snake demons. Oh. I don't know.
0: Because, I mean, to drive out the snake that had possessed him, so I'm guessing it had to be some kind of, like, snake demon.
2: Probably. I just thought that was interesting, and I wanted to share it with everyone. So if you or a loved one believe that you're a snake, send us an email. We'd love to hear about it.
0: I saw the, the name of that one, and I ended up finding something kind of reminded me of it. It was about an exorcism gone wrong. It was uh, in August of 2016 in North London. A 26-year-old Kennedy Ife, I think it's his last name is Ife. I think it's Ife, began acting strange and aggressive following a pain in his throat. He reportedly bit his father, threatened to cut off his own penis, and complained of a python inside of him before his family restrained him to a bed with cable ties and excessive force. Then the family set out about attempting to cure Kennedy through restraint and prayer over the next three days. The thing that was in him, what he believed was a demon because it was not natural, was clearly trying to kill him. They had to restrain him for himself so he wouldn't hurt himself. And if they didn't restrain him, he could have tried to harm people or the family. After being bound to the bed for three days, supposedly Kennedy's brother decided to call emergency services, explaining that Kennedy was complaining of dehydration. When I guess the emergency services got there, they noticed that he was developing breathing issues and whatnot. And then all of a sudden, at 10:17 a.m., Kennedy died. He was pronounced dead. Damn. What happened after that was that all of Kennedy's family, all seven of them that were helping to try to cure Kennedy, were accused of manslaughter, false imprisonment, and causing or allowing the death of a vulnerable adult. The post-mortem examination revealed over 60 wounds, including a possible bite on Kennedy's Ife's body, and his father, Kenneth Ife, along with four of his other brothers, sustained injuries as well. So someone bit Kennedy. Damn, poor Kennedy. So that remind that like that literally is like what Takia went through biting, headbutting, and he complained that there was like a snake in him.
2: Okay. Well maybe that's the way you get rid of a snake possession, you know, is you, you get bit. But yeah,
0: uh just to let you know though, after a four day jury deliberation, all seven family members that were charged were cleared of their charges.
2: Oh Jesus Christ. What year did this
0: happen? Uh, happened in 2016, and on March 14th of 2019, all the family members were cleared of their charges. So, kind of recent,
2: yeah. Man, it's a crazy world we live in, man. But
0: yeah, I saw a Snake, and I was just like, that reminds me of a story I read when I was looking for horror stories, and that's what I found.
2: Mm. So I raise you your snake demon. (laughs) Well, thank you for that, Dan. I appreciate that. You're welcome. All right, well that pretty much wraps up our horror stories episode. If you have a scary story that involves murder or snakes or anything like that, send it to our emails at either Aaron at theories of the third dot com or Dan at theories of the third kind.com. We would love to hear from you.
0: And Aaron would love to get some voicemail saying that I'm a snack. I'm a snack.
2: Hey, yeah, go ahead. Send those, send as many as you would like. I'm a snake. I'll create a giant, You know, video of everyone saying that.
0: Oh, just like you did for me? So nice. Exactly like I did for you. Hashtag I'm a snag.
2: (laughs) All right, so that pretty much wraps up our Horror Stories episode. Now we are going to move on to our On the Scene. Now, if you don't know what our On the Scene is, it is where an individual submits a voicemail of a recording that they did, and the recording is of them interviewing a random individual or it could be of themselves talking about current conspiracy happenings that are going on in the world or their opinion or their own theory about the current conspiracies or whatever. And anyone can submit their uh, audio. Just make sure it's less than two minutes long and make sure the audio is decent. It doesn't have to be perfect quality. Just make sure like there's no bad background noise, lots of it, no trains, no dump trucks. Make yeah. sure it's clean. Yeah. So, you could just record it on your phone and send it to our emails, and we will put it in line to play at the end of the show each week. All right. So, for this week's On the Scene, we have Julie and Emma. And we're going to play that right now.
1: All right. Well, this is for On the Scene. Yeah. And this is Emma, and she's five, and I'm Julie, her mummy. Now, Emma, what yeah. do you think? Yeah. Do you think there's aliens? Do you think there's aliens up in yeah. space? Yeah. yeah. Do you? Where do you think they live? On the moon. On the moon. Good answer. Do you think there's dragons? Uh no. No? Oh. What about Bigfoot? The big hairy men in the forest that roam around? Do you yeah. think do you think they exist? Yeah do you think they've got big feet yeah yeah do you think they've got big yeah no uh big tummies yeah yeah what do you think they eat do they eat chocolate bars they eat chocolate bars wow anyway say bye-bye bye-bye bye-bye, bye-bye.
2: i thought that was going to take a very odd turn but it didn't <laughs> He was like, Do they have? No. (laughs) I love it. I absolutely love it. Thank you, Julie. Thank you, Emma, for the on the scene.
0: You had me there. You definitely got me. I was just like, No.
2: (laughs) Yeah, Dan's face went, Oh my God. And I I was right there with you, Dan. Uh, That was a good psych job right there. It was. I love it. And hey, maybe Bigfoot does eat chocolate bars. I think he would. I mean, chocolate bars are delicious. Yeah, they are. They are delicious. What is your favorite chocolate? Candy bar. Oh, I'm probably going to get made fun of on this one. I like the Zero Bars, the silver wrapper. About you and nine other people in the entire world like that. Hey, we keep those Zero Bars out there.
0: (laughs) I love those things.
2: You want to take a guess at my favorite candy? Is it something exotic? Yes. Is it German chocolate? Like made German? I don't know if it's German or not. What is it? Ferrero Rocher's. Dude, those things are so good. Those little golden balls. I think those are French. Ah, I don't know what the hell they are. All I know is that they're these little round golden balls and they're made of chocolate and they got like some stuff inside of them and you just pop them in your mouth and oh my God, dude. Oh,
0: they're like the Lindor chocolates with the stuff inside, but I guess Ferrara
2: fancy. No, the Ferrera has like a harder coated outside with like a hazelnut crunchier outside and like a smoother chocolatey inside and it gives it like a crunch matter of fact after we're done recording this we're gonna run to the store and i'm gonna go get you a ferrero rocher you've ate one haven't you
0: yeah y'all ran to the gas station got some candy i got y'all got me a zero bar y'all got the for
2: what is it called again ferrero rocher ferrero rocher yeah okay that's
0: just a weird name
2: they're great. They're excellent. I uh, highly suggest if anyone has not tried it, go ahead and try one. You will not regret it. I think the zero bars are better.
0: Put them in the fridge for a little bit. Get them a little bit colder.
2: They're so good. If you try that, you will regret it.
0: <laughs> I'm going to. I'm gonna go get those Ferrero Rochers. I'm gonna put them in the freezer and then I'm gonna take them out. I'm just gonna launch them at you.
2: I'll catch them in my mouth. I'll catch those balls right in my mouth. I'd love to see that. All right. Anyways, thank you, Julie and Emma, for your on the scene this week. I love you, and I'm proud of you. Yes, much love. Thank you for this on the scene. All right. So now we're going to go to shout-outs and birthday shout-outs. And to be completely honest with you, I only have a couple shout-outs I'm going to give, and they are actually birthday shout-outs, if you're okay with that.
0: All right. I don't have any birthday shout-outs, so you go ahead.
2: All right. So my first birthday shout-out comes from Mike Echo. He said he's a big fan, loves the podcast, and wants to give his daughter a birthday shout-out. Her birthday is October 18th, and she turns four. And he didn't put her name inside here, so I don't know what her name is, but shout-out to her. Happy fourth birthday. I hope it's a good one. We're proud of you, and we love you.
0: Happy birthday.
2: All right, so our next shout-out comes from an email from a guy named Jim W., He says his son's birthday is October 27th, and he's going to be seven years old. Can you guys wish him a happy birthday? His name is Maddox Man. Tell him that daddy loves his little dude. And if you could do it like Spider-Man or Thor, that would make his freaking day, month, year. Also, my birthday is November 19th. Okay, well, hey, you know what, Jim? You got to wait your damn turn. Your son's birthday is up first, okay? (laughs) Just email us. Email us around November 19th for yours, and we'll get you. All right, so Maddox Man. Thor or Spider-Man? I'm not really certain how we're going to do this. I don't know how to sound like them. My name's Peter Parker, and I'm your local Spider-Man. I got my friend Thor here. I'm Thor, the god of thunder. And I
0: just wanted to wish Maddox a happy birthday.
2: Nice. All right, so there you go. Yeah, there we go. Spider-Man and Thor just came into our studio and disappeared. Anyways, so our next birthday shout-out goes to Abby or Abigail. Her birthday is October 20th, which is today. And uh, this shout-out is actually requested from her boyfriend, Snails Trails. And he just wanted to say, hey, could you wish my girlfriend a happy birthday, Dan? Sing her something very sexual and know that she loves you. So there you go, Dan. Sing it. Something sexual? No, he he didn't put that. I requested that. Oh, but Abby or like, Abigail? I was
0: like, well, then I'm going to have to charge an extra fee for that. <laughs> so just sing happy birthday?
2: Yep, to Abigail.
0: Happy birthday, Abigail. happy birthday, Abigail. Happy birthday, Abigail.
2: Happy
0: birthday to you. Happy birthday to you.
2: Happy birthday, Abigail. Thank you for getting Snails Trails Addicted to the podcast. We love you and we're proud of you. And hey, guess what? Snell Trails wants me to tell you this. Will you marry him? I'm just kidding. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't put that. All right, so the last birthday shout-out goes to Marilena. Her birthday is tomorrow on the 21st of October, and her husband Daniel says, Hey, can you give her a birthday shout-out? So shout-out to you, Marilena. We love you, and we're proud of you. And I hope it's a great birthday and your husband is going to get you whatever you want. It's all on him this year. Happy birthday. Exactly. All right. So that's the end of my shout outs. You got any, Dan, or anything like that?
0: I want to say that I saw that there was a birthday shout out for October 13th that passed, but I can't find it. So if you send me a message saying your birthday was on October 13th, send me another message because I can't find it at all.
2: Yeah. And if you're wanting a birthday shout out, Don't send us a message on Instagram. The best way to get one is to send us an email with the subject headline that says birthday or birthday shout out. That is the correct way. That is so we can keep everything easily organized, which we're trying to do. And it's hectic. Okay. Yeah, it's very hectic.
0: But uh, I just have a couple shout outs, just normal shout outs.
2: All right. Go for it.
0: So got a Colin in. He submitted a ghost story. We didn't use it this this episode on Patreon, but we will get it next time. Uh, Lucinda G, she sent a message on Facebook asking, did anyone else notice that the stars went crazy about four months ago and that about a month ago they went back to normal?
2: I have no idea what you're talking about.
0: Supposedly they were like out of line. So I don't know. So if you've noticed that the stars were different like four months ago and just recently, I guess, changed back, Send us a message.
2: You'd think that'd be a pretty big deal to astronomers.
0: You would think so. But I've walked outside and looked up at the sky, and I was just like, oh, that's a nice moon. That's it.
2: Yeah, I wouldn't know any difference if, like, the stars changed locations. I wouldn't know. I'm not an astronomer.
0: No, I just, I go outside and just look like, oh, that's pretty.
2: Yeah, I'm right there with you.
0: All right, then uh, to Christina Lindbergh. Then shout out to Thomas Jessup. Eduardo C, Zach G. That right there is the end of my shoutouts. Not many.
2: All right, awesome. Well, I don't have anything else to add to this episode. Besides, I hope everyone has a great weekend. I hope it's good. And, uh, yeah, if you have any questions, concerns, or conspiracies, or you just want to chit-chat, send us an email. If for some odd reason you can't get enough of us, You can uh, go to Patreon and listen to us some more. Oh, I found the late birthday shout out. Found it. Okay. Lance likes to fish. His
0: birthday was October 13th. and He wanted a late birthday shout out. So happy birthday, Lance. You said you like to fish. I bet I caught bigger fish. Just kidding.
2: Ooh, called out, Lance. Happy birthday. May your lines always stay tight. Ooh, I like that. All right. Well, with that being said, I want to thank you all for joining us today. And again, thank you for your support. You are all amazing, every single one of you. So with that being said, Dan, you want to roll us out? Sure
0: will. It's okay to be out of this world with your thoughts.
2: Because you are not alone.